Welcome into Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and we are breaking down the Knicks 117 to 109 victory over the Mavericks on the road. The Knicks have now won five straight games for the first time in seven years, Gavin. And Julius Randle had just the latest in a long line of nights to remember. Yeah, it's kind of a crazy stat, but it's a good one. VR guy, Jonathan Macri, first player, or first Nick rather, to have a 44. 44- 10 and 5 game um, against an over 500 team in a win since the color analyst Clyde Frazier in the early 1970s. Just nuts. A historic effort from Randall. And he wasn't alone. RJ Barrett carrying the Knicks down the stretch 46 minutes, 24 and 8. Iron Man effort hitting the game ceiling shot over the very tall guy from Latvia. Um, whose name we may or may not mention throughout the podcast. It was a massive win. Knicks 117, Mavs 109. And we're going to get into it right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land and maybe check out our new merch that we just dropped. Just dropped a couple cool t-shirts and sweatshirts and all that stuff. So check all that out. He is Gavin Shaw. Play-by-play announcer by day. We got a request, Gavin, for you to you and I to do the play-by-play and color commentary of Knicks games whenever they're covered by ESPN because of how horrible the coverage was last night. So maybe we can arrange that. Uh, but by night, you are, or in the case of today, by morning, you're a podcaster. And we are breaking down the Knicks 117 to 109 victory over the Mavericks. I woke up feeling very happy about this one still. It was a a, a very much a joy-inducing win. Julius Randle had 44 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists, super efficient, 16 to 29 from the floor, 6 of 11 from 3. Uh Gavin, I feel like Julius is the first place to start, but where do you want to get going with talking about this game? It was it was such a fun game. There's so many things to talk about. Yeah, Alex, I think it's Julius. You, I mean, you have to say this was the best game of his Knicks career, right? Oh yeah, I would say without a doubt. I mean, I he's I don't think he's gotten higher than 44 in any game scoring wise either, right? Was this his Knicks career high? No, I think I think this was it. Yeah, I, I think I think what was the he had another forty plus the Atlanta the Atlanta game. Yeah, but either way, I, I don't think it's his career high. But yeah, I mean, just the all around performance of this one was just fantastic. I mean, yeah, I, I think this is definitely the best game of his next career. Yeah, I would I, I would say so as well. Sixteen of twenty nine, 
6 of 11 from 3, 44 points, 10 boards, 7 assists. Just had answers every time the Knicks needed it. Got started early, hit three straight threes, start off 5 for 5 from the field, ripped off a quick 13. I, I would love to to go over, I mean, whether the five-game winning streak or the whole season, Julius Randle has had some monster, monster first quarters coming out of the gate. It, it always seems like he's just in a great rhythm. And, and then from there, it, it only got better. And and just the way he controlled the game throughout. And that that's what you see from some of the greats in the NBA. And especially, Alex, on a night where it felt like the Knicks just didn't really have any business winning this game and didn't have quite enough firepower to justify winning this game. I think you really noticed the absence of Alec Burks because there just wasn't anyone else outside of Derrick Rose and, and RJ Late who could consistently create their own shot in this one. And Randall was just doing it over and over and over again. And, and to me, it was almost obviously lower scale, but we, we've made the comparison all year. He's, he's sort of operated as a lower scale version of this player it felt like LeBron in 2018 against the Warriors um the the famous uh, J.R. Smith uh doesn't look at the clock game where he's completely outmatched against probably the greatest team of all time and, and he just goes in there and and rips their heart out and he does so with insane shot making rebounding passing but the biggest thing and, and to me Alex this is the last level a, a, a great player reaches when they have game control and they have game control against a great team it felt like Julius knew he could score but he parceled his energy as needed he doled it out at key points and and when the Knicks absolutely needed um sort of a nitro boost he was there to to hit a step back three finish six for 11 from range to get into the lane, had a couple of those like beautiful, like sweeping half hook layups over Porzingis, over the Mavs bigs down the stretch. And he, he knew exactly when to dole out his talent and when to dole out his dominance in this game. And, and without him, the Knicks, like, I mean, if he didn't play tonight, if he played 20 minutes tonight, I think the Knicks get blown out. He, he was, he, he drove the Knicks towards victory, but you got to give the rest of the team credit, Alex, because there was that five minute stretch where he sat at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And for that time, it was all R.J. Barrett. He had nine points, dominated J.J. Redick. And, and I think that is ultimately, that was the separator. When, when Randall did everything he possibly could, the Knicks still would have lost this game if they didn't win those five minutes. And thanks to R.J., they did. Yeah, I mean, I would push back on the idea that they seemed overmatched. I would argue that the Knicks, like, basically just outworked the Mavs all night. Like, I don't, I, I think that this was like, if you want to talk about like a lunch pail game, where the Knicks just showed up, like did what they had to do and came out with a win. I mean, obviously, yes, if, if Randall doesn't score 44, they don't win, you know, but it, it's that's like saying like you could say that about any one of a number of factors for either team, you know, and say like, oh, they wouldn't have won. Like if Doncic doesn't have 22 and 19 assists, then like if he's not creating those looks for Tim Hardaway Jr., you know, to get wide open looks that he was canning in the first half, which let them sort of make a mini comeback, you know, then they, you know, might have lost the game too. So it's it's like, that's what superstars do. They, they win games for their team. But I think the Knicks did well to lean on him as much as was needed uh, in this game when he was cooking so much. But to your point, that, that stretch where RJ was out there and kind of took over, Frank came in and put together a little stretch when he hadn't really played the whole game, comes in, and scores four points in four minutes um, and just in general brought like a ton of energy in those four minutes. Um, you had like Rose playing as well as he did, shot seven to 13, 15 points. 
I mean, I, I do think that the rest of the Knicks did what they had. And Nerlens Noel, too, as usual on the defensive end, I thought was really good. Other than his coverage on Porzingis maybe left a little bit to be desired because he's just not... I, the Knicks haven't been facing too many teams with stretch bigs that, you know, shoot not just the three, but also will like pull up and shoot the elbow jumper and stuff like that. Like Porzingis has the ability to. So, you know, I, I think that maybe that left a tiny bit to be desired, but all in all, I thought that the Knicks really just, I, I thought they earned this win. I thought that this was not like fluky, which I don't, <laughs> we'll get into it later, but I was like really annoyed by ESPN's coverage of this and more so putting Richard Jefferson on this broadcast who literally has like made up things on air about the Knicks just to try to like clown them before and been caught in it on a different network. Uh, Just kind of annoying to me in general, but um, yeah, all in all, I'd say like, I I think the Knicks, you know, it wasn't, uh, it's easy to say that it was all Randall, but I think that the whole team put together the effort that they had to to make the Mavs really uncomfortable on their home floor and come out with a win in this one. Yeah, I think my my only point was that it, it wouldn't have mattered unless Randall had an abnormally great game. Like even if he just had a typical Randall game, I, I don't know if the Knicks pull this out because just from a pure talent perspective, um, Dallas obviously has has the edge. So many options offensively. Um, though defensively, yeah, you're right. There's, there's a lot to be desired there on that Dallas end, but yeah, I think, I, I guess, I guess what I was trying to get to and what we're both saying is he, he was, he was ultimately the difference maker in this one. Anyways, we'll get to all that in just a sec, but first Alex, we're not, we're not legally allowed to say that this is why Julius Randle had a great game, but don't you think, uh, had, had a built bar or two before the night started would have to be the favorite. Yeah, I, I think maybe, you know, one before the game, one at halftime to keep him going because Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. No matter what flavor Julius or you or anybody likes, they have something that fits your taste, such as caramel brownie, cookies and cream. There's the coconut almond flavor, tastes just like an almond joy, double chocolate, toffee almond, all kinds of fantastic flavors available from Built Bar, and they're all covered in 100% natural chocolate and soft and easy to chew. And the best part is they taste like a candy bar, but they don't have to make you feel guilty like a candy bar because they are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. For example, coconut almond, my fave, 18 grams of protein, just 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of net carbs. And cookies and cream has 17 grams of protein, just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. So if you want to grow up big and strong like Julius Randle, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, and we're back to Locked On, Knicks. But if you want to get the scoop on everything going on around the world of sports, get all of the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. So, Gavin, we mentioned before the break that we might look at things a little more big picture because this was just such a 
a landmark win. Again, it's the first time the Knicks have won five straight games since the 2013 to 14 season. Uh, it was in 2014 that they won five straight. That was when they were making a playoff push uh, the year after the the fabled 12-13 season. They were really beleaguered that next year of 13-14. Mello played arguably his best season as a Nick uh, and really tried to drag the carcass of that roster with uh, Andrea Bargnani getting big minutes and everything else to the playoffs. Uh, I think actually that, that five-game run came when Bargnani was hurt, if I remember right, when he had gotten hurt from attempting the air Bargnani dunk, but I could be wrong about that. Uh, but at any rate, it's been a long time. That feels like 10 eons ago. Uh, and the Knicks are now back with a five-game win streak. But Gavin, you have some some stats via our buddy Jonathan Macri to bring up. So I, I'll throw it to you to to bring those up for everybody. Yeah, I give the guy credit. Maybe maybe, maybe he had them ready, but he, he wrote this newsletter at like 2, 3 in the morning. So so shout out shout out to our guy, Jonathan Macri. Um, but, but here we go. I'll, I'll just rip through them. All right, so starting with with the game tonight, or, or rather, excuse me, starting with the Celtics blowout. So that was um, all the way back in, I want to say January, um, when they beat the Celtics 105 to 75, um, three months ago to the day, apparently. So it was, it was January or February. Was it January? Um, it's really early in the morning. Anyways, uh, starting with that game, the Knicks are tied for the eighth most wins in basketball, 25, one more than the Dallas Mavericks and one fewer than the Milwaukee Bucks, who are widely considered, as Macri points out, a legitimate title contender. Um, and those seven teams, again, via Macri, are the only ones with a better net rating or more wins than these Knicks since January 17th. Um, and he notes correctly the Lakers uh, would be in there if not for all the injuries. Um, and then I think there was, yeah, there's one more really good one. Um, so since the Mavericks beat the Knicks, which was, um, uh, about two, three weeks ago at this point, um, Tibbs and the team have the second best net rating in the league and a top 10 offense. So it, it's fascinating, Alex, because we've, we've gone through this season and I think at times we've had sort of rapidly vacillating takes on this team. I know I've gone through stretches where I'm like, all right, the, the version that's losing to the Timberwolves. Um, and and just looks inept against some of the best teams in the NBA. That's that's really who they are, and and the way Tibbs drives his teams to to bring that extra effort every night. His willingness to treat essentially every regular season game, this one this one most definitely included, like a playoff game. I mean, you just go through the minutes for the key guys: Julius Randle, forty one; Reggie Bullock, forty one; R.J. Barrett, forty six. Um, I that that's ultimately what's separating the Knicks more than their internal talent. But then you have these. I mean, you, you have this five-game winning streak, and, and it feels like sort of a breakthrough. And, and even though, sure, it hasn't come against the toughest slate of opponents the Knicks are going to play all year, we, we saw signs of it when they were competing with the Nets night in and night out, and they were competing with the Sixers night in and night out. And, and you, you just kind of get to a point where you're like, all right, is this team maybe even a tier up of where we think? Are they a top, I don't know, 13 team in the NBA versus being – squarely in the middle of the pack it's still I think hard to say it's hard to pin down because it, it it's been such a weird season there have been so many COVID absences we were getting into it a little bit before the show the Knicks have been outside of Derrick Rose relative and now Alec Burks relatively fortunate on that front 
it'll it'll just be fascinating to see going forward where they slot into that hierarchy. But Alex, I, I guess I'll just throw it to you. What, what what's your instinct for how good this Knicks team really is, and has your opinion changed over the course of this five game winning streak? Uh, I I think it's maybe gone up a tiny bit. My opinion of them, I you know I think I always imagined that they would do what it takes to not fall below five hundred and wherever that leads them, so be it. But it, it did seem like, it, it seemed like after a certain point, you know, when the Knicks, what was their low point? Like five games below 500 or something like that. I mean, they got, they got pretty low at one point and uh, it was, it, you know, it was, it felt pretty, pretty bad there. I think it was four games, four games below 500 at any rate earlier in the season, you know, that, that was like their low point. And ever since they've gotten back to 500 after that, and then over it, it seems like, they just take it personally if they get below 500 and they say, no, we're better than this. Like we're, we're at least a 500 team in this league. And I fully concur with that. I, I think maybe there's a chance that they could be a few games over though. Um, I mean, we're now at after last night's game, it's now 57 games into the season. We only have 15 regular season games left as crazy as that is to say. Uh, It feels like, I don't know. Simultaneously, it feels like the season's been going on forever and in the blink of an eye. Um, but at any rate, like, it, I think the big test is going to be these next few games coming up here. I would actually argue that this upcoming slate is probably their easiest stretch before the end of the season here. Um, over the next, uh, actually, it's really all in all not too shabby for the next like seven, eight games. It's just the end of the season is going to be hell. Uh, so they really have to be prepared for that. But next few games, New Orleans uh, on Sunday, Charlotte on Tuesday, Atlanta on Wednesday. That's, you know, Atlanta's obviously playing better with Nate McMillan, but we've seen the Knicks handle Atlanta pretty well this year so far. Uh, and their, you know, their defense is pretty good at frustrating Trey Young. Toronto uh, next Saturday. And then you get Phoenix, but then floundering Chicago and terrible Houston. And then... Memphis again, who, you know, they, they came back and won against Memphis is no pushover, but they're not a top tier team. So I I think this next stretch of how many was that? That just a stuff, eight games. That's going to be really defining. I mean, I think if the Knicks can take it, can a keep their focus up, which they have been lately. And I think has been the big difference. You know, the, the big thing with their, their games before, when they were losing those tight games, you know, to teams that they should or shouldn't have lost them to, like you could talk about the Nets or you could talk about the Timberwolves. Uh, the big thing was that they were losing focus down the stretch and coughing up big leads and just kind of resting on their laurels and and then ultimately losing the game. These last few games, they haven't been doing that. They've been pebbled to the floor 100% of the game, and it's really worked out for them. You know, they have this somewhat cushy schedule, in my opinion, at least for the next eight, other than obviously Phoenix and a little bit Atlanta, but all in all, not too hard of a schedule there. If they can come out with like five or six wins out of that, yeah, we might be talking about a team that's better than what we thought, because that would put them, I mean, if they got, if they took, let's say, let's just say five of eight, then that's, that puts them at 35 and 30. That's five games over 500 based off how the East has gone this year. That's probably good enough to make them at least a top seed or a top six seed. I mean to say, um, 
And if they could do that, then yeah, that that exceeds my expectations. I figured play in, and that that would avoid the play in games. It, you know, whether that's with the seven, eight, nine, or ten seed, that completely avoids the play in. That gives them effectively a quote unquote like first round buy, and I think that that means that the Knicks are better than we think. Now the the last stretch of the season, they might falter to a degree, uh, which would be another story. You know, because. They, they need to show out to end the season as well. Their final seven games are going to be against Denver, Phoenix, the Clippers, the Lakers, who at that point might have LeBron and AD back and might be clawing for every single game to try to get better playoff positioning since they've slipped quite a bit with those two out. Uh, San Antonio, Charlotte, and Boston. And Charlotte and Boston obviously are both in the thick of this playoff race too and are, are going to be playing the Knicks really tough in those last couple games. So... You know, it'll be a two defining stretches. One, the Knicks have to win the games they're supposed to win in the next eight. And then two, they need to come out and hopefully go like 500-ish or even like three and four down the stretch uh, against those really, really tough teams. And then, yeah, I would say that they probably will exceed my expectations if they manage to do that. Yep, I think that's a good sum of it. Let's take one final break, Alex. We'll come back and we'll get into some of the minutia of this game, how the Knicks actually pulled it off. All that and more next on Locked on Knicks. But first, we got to tell you about our favorite place. If you if you were to have put a little wager on the Knicks last night, it's Bet Online. The fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the new scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if it's a very big if. Use our promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. We got to quickly tell you about Locked On NBA Draft. If you want to get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's draft, you can do so with the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credential draft experts. Follow the Locked On NBA Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. All right, Alex, without further ado, let's wrap this one up. A massive, massive win for the New York Knicks. Um, you want to just, uh, I, I, it's up to you. Where, where do you, where do you think we should start on this one? I, I feel like we should just kind of go guy by guy and, and break it down. This, is, this was one of those, it, it really did. It, it felt like a playoff one. And it felt like one where you just kind of want to go in depth on every single guy's contributions, because I feel like everyone who played outside of, um, Obi Toppin did a pretty good job to be nondescript, but outside of that, it felt like everyone really had a hand in this win. Yeah, I mean, I think we already we showered enough praise on Randall, although he deserves all of it and then some for just how great he was in this game. I guess we could highlight R.J. Barrett, uh, 24 points, 9 of 18 shooting, 3 of 6 from 3, 8 rebounds, 2 assists, a steal, and the the cherry on top, 46 minutes R.J. Barrett played in this game. Only took 2 minutes off, just an absolute Iron Man, and... There was, I mean, you mentioned it earlier in the the episode, but there was a stretch where Julius Randle sat for a bit. And so actually, I want to highlight real quick. I love this new sub pattern that Tibbs is doing with Randle. I think it's really, really good where he's been taking him out these last 
two, three games at around like the four minute mark in the first quarter, which actually makes him like the first sub uh, of the game. But then that allows him to basically play the whole second quarter, which I think is honestly more useful than having him play the whole first quarter because the the biggest issue with the Knicks is that they tend to cough up leads going into halftime. You know, they build up this lead, you know, first quarter into the second quarter. And then by halftime, it's back to being even again. It's good to have Randall out there, I think, to for basically the whole second quarter if you can manage it. Uh, so first off, that was cool. But then secondly, during his second rest time, which came uh, early on in the fourth quarter, RJ Barrett absolutely took over. Like it was he was having a good game prior to that, but not one that I would call like one of his best, I guess. Um you know, just a, a garden variety good RJ game, which I'm glad is a thing at this point. But then he just like switched it up into, okay, yeah, this is, you know, RJ asserting his will. I mean, he was taking whatever defender got put on him. Like he was kind of backing guys down into the post a little bit. And then, you know, just kind of muscling his way to the rim. He was driving and making shots that way. He made uh, a big three-pointer or two down the stretch. It, just a really great performance from him to really not just keep the Knicks afloat, but push them back far ahead again. Like the Mavs had really, they had drawn near, you know, and then, and then drawn things even at times in the second half. And you started to think like, uh, all right, you know, are they going to, are they going to do the same thing as last time where the Knicks are just going to kind of fall apart and the Mavs are going to figure their, their stuff out and ultimately beat the Knicks. But like RJ didn't let that happen. Neither did Frank to, to be, you know, honest with his performance. I mean, he had, he hit a really big three and then hit one or two free throws, which obviously you'd like to see both. But I mean, just for a four minute stretch, Frank came in and and gave just that little extra pop that they needed when RJ was going off as well. But uh, yeah, his like dominance at the beginning of the fourth quarter there. And then he kind of, he kept it up all throughout the, the end of the game too. But Randall obviously came in and just was like, okay, it's closing time. And, I'm Julius Randle and I'm scoring 44 points tonight. Um, sort of took over, which is fine because you know what do you? <laughs> there's nothing to complain about there. Um, but the uh, that early fourth quarter performance by RJ Gavin was just like I thought one of his best stretches of play of the whole season because he just really put the team on his back when they needed him and once again gave a really good fourth quarter performance, which with noted fourth quarter uh, scorer extraordinaire Alec Burks out was sorely needed when Julius Randle was sitting in the fourth. Yeah. And I, I was just, I was surprised that the Mavericks kept JJ Redick on him because as much as I love JJ as a player. And I think this was something Richard Jefferson got right, just a total mismatch physically. And, and our, and I mean, look, Redick to some extent took advantage of it on the other idea two threes, but um, give RJ credit because he, he recognized the mismatch and he attacked it. And that, that's really what I wanted to see from RJ in this game, because you, you, you can see the, the competitiveness from him on a night to night basis. Right. But it doesn't always translate into great play against the best teams in the league. Sometimes it does. And when it does, it's spectacular. But tonight, I, I think he just really took initiative and it was all the more impressive because he did so without stepping on Randall's toes. And, and I just think the, the intricate dance of that is really fascinating to me. And it's going to be, I mean, if, if these are the next guys for the next five years, it's going to be something to watch on an ongoing basis. And tonight they did such a good job balancing each other out. I'll, I'll go all the way back 
to the first quarter with RJ, you noticed he had a mismatch. It was uh, Maxi Kleba, who, who's a good defender in general, but not a great matchup for RJ, switched on to him. And, and Alfred Payton is just kind of hanging on the right elbow, calling for the ball. And RJ, and I love this because he wouldn't have done this his rookie year. He would have, he would have kind of conceded and said, all right, Alf, you can go get the ball. He, he waved him off. He threw the ball to Randall. He set up. Everyone cleared the right side of the court, threw it back to RJ. RJ blows by Kleba for for a layup. And, and then to your point in, in the fourth, I mean, sees the mat- mismatch with JJ, bullies him across the lane for an and one. Um, has a, a little reverse pivot, like up and under for a layup. So two straight buckets to open the fourth. Um, then he bangs a three off a beautiful one-handed cross-court pass from Derrick Rose, who we have to get into a little bit. Um, goes into the lane again against Redick um, and, and tries a little Euro step, misses, gets the tip, easy money, nine points in a little over three minutes to open the fourth quarter. And ultimately, we, we said it, I'll say it one final time, that was the game. That was that was pretty much it. And, and I give RJ a lot of credit on the defensive end too because Luca, Luca beat him a few times, but down the stretch in the fourth quarter, it, it, it was it was RJ in help when Reggie Bullock would get screened off of Luca and they were looking for that matchup with RJ, holding his own, and then further help from Noel on the back line. But I, I want to circle back, Alex, one final time. Kind of just go through uh, because I, re- I realized I didn't I didn't get super in depth on it in the first segment. Kind of go through Julius Randle's night just because I, I think it deserves a deeper breakdown. So he got started. With those three straight threes, again, the, the first quarter runs from have been nuts. 13 of the Knicks for 17, 5 of 5 from the field, 3 of 3 from distance. Um, he, he ran a little one of those those fake dribble handoffs. And it's just, it, it's it's fascinating to chart all of Randall's plays because he's, he's scoring with such variety and so much of it is in the mid-range. But he still has those nights where he gets right to the basket, he's hitting his threes. And, and tonight it was cool because it, it felt like we were watching a montage of the entire season, all condensed into one game. He, he just pulled out his full bag and just basically dropped it on KP's head. Um, he had that fake dribble handoff into a step back long two. Um, another play where uh, this was one of my favorite sequences of the night, they doubled him. And I, I know Randall was hot in this game, but I still, I, I really don't get teams doubling him because he's making the right decision every single time now. Stays calm, swings it to IQ, who swings it to RJ, swings it to Derrick Rose. Rose beats a closeout. Kickback to IQ. IQ nails a three. Um, so that was 15 points in the first. Then didn't actually score for the first six minutes of the second. Um, got started in the second quarter with a tough jumper to bail out a bad possession. Um, then he had one of the best passes I think he's had all season. He's driving uh, baseline, going right to left, essentially under the backboard. And without turning his body, throws it back uh, across his body. Um, to R.J. Barrett on the opposite wing. R.J. was stationed on the left wing. And I think you, you heard um, like Mark, Mark Jackson go like, whoa, or Mark Jones, excuse me, go like, whoa, what was that? And it just, it looked surreal. It was like, I, I actually never saw this movie, but in the early or late 2000s, there was that movie trailer that kept talking about bending the bullet. He bended the bullet there. Oh, that, was, then, uh, that was wanted. That was a was notoriously... Wanted crappy James McAvoy Angelina Jolie I think oh sure and that I got I, I actually I actually do appreciate that and I will see it because it sticks out of my mind so much because I just kept like like there was just a running joke in my friend group about bending the bullet but I never actually saw the movie so I, I will I will go and see that anyways that pass was insane um it and it led to an RJ3 with 1.4 seconds left in the half to extend um uh their halftime lead to 56-52, it was a four-point possession because they also got a technical free throw. Um, then another one, Randall beats KP 
to the rim on on one of those like high arcing little like half running hook shots he does. I've been calling it a sweep shot. Uh, it's, it's, it's a weird, uniquely Randall take, but it works so well because he's always able to essentially get near the rim because of his strength. And and when he, when he's feeling himself and he's making that, I just, I don't really know how you stop it. Dallas went on another big run and it just, it, it was that stretch in the third quarter where I really thought the Knicks had a chance to lose the game because it didn't seem like they had any offense outside of him. And and he just, he just made a big three to shut it down. Uh, then goes, Luca tries to go one-on-one with him defensively. Randall locks him down. Um, one of the shots of the game, he had that insane double pump and one over Josh Richardson late in the third quarter, just hanged and hit. It looked like Michael Jordan out there, um, hits another three, uh, one second left in the third. And, and this is, this is kind of what I was getting into with Randall earlier this week, referencing that Kevin O'Connor piece where he was saying there's still latent potential for Julius Randall in terms of his off the dribble three point shooting. Randall, when he, when he got cold, it was because he was feeling himself a little bit too much. And, and he kept trying to do these really complicated dribble sequences into threes, which he, he can hit occasionally, but it, it's still a part of his game. He, he's kind of figuring out both one second left in the third couple dribbles, a step back between the legs, nails it in a poor Mavs face, 83-79 at the end of the third. And, and that's what I mean about game management. He, he didn't just dole out his buckets at random. He, he hit them at these crucial sequences, the pass to RJ to end the second quarter, the the all the buckets to open up to show the Mavericks the Knicks are going to be in this game, the three to end the third. They were momentum-changing plays throughout. Um, and, and then comes back in in the fourth and just closes out the game. Another, another lefty running hook to get it to 105-97. A uh, reverse pivot fadeaway just outside the paint, 109-99, 41st point of the night. It, it, it spurred Richard Jefferson to say, you know what? You can't talk about all-star with this guy. You have to start talking all-NBA. And that was and, and that was essentially his night. And I think you can almost perfectly sum it up in his final play of the night. He's double-teamed, uh, 109-102. Mavericks have still have a loose shot to get back in this one. And Randall, instead of forcing the issue, instead of saying, you know, I've, I've kind of been the alpha dog all night. Let me let me put my stamp on this game one more time, scoring the basketball. Unselfish, just throws it to RJ. RJ nails that baseline jumper. Game over. Knicks win it. Perfect game for Julius Randall. Yeah, I would say so as well. Uh, we got to shout out Derek Rose, too, before we before we wrap up. Uh, 15 points, 7 to 13 shooting, 5 assists. He really came in, you know, with that second unit. And help push the Knicks ahead. Ended up with a, a team high plus fourteen on the night, which felt earned and appropriate. Uh, you know, sometimes plus minus can be misleading. Like Julius Randle was a minus one in this game, for example. But obviously, without him, the Knicks don't win this game because uh, he was going up against their best players. But uh, the plus fourteen for Rose very well earned because he came in and just provided an instant spark off the bench. Was getting others involved. Uh, you mentioned one of his beautiful passes. Uh, to find RJ, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, he just really influenced the game in a positive way in, in both his stints out there. Uh, and I think was was one of the better players on the Knicks in this game. Uh, really pushed the tempo, was hitting from mid-range, um, just hit one from three, like did a little bit of everything that you want from Derrick Rose. Had some vintage D-Rose sort of takes uh, getting to the bucket inside with like explosive speed and athleticism. Just a really good game from him. All right. <laughs> it's kind of unceremonious, but I'm going to cut this episode off here because this turned into like a 50 minute episode after I went on a rant about how ESPN hates the Knicks 
And then Gavin and I had a really good discussion about it, but it makes for a really long single episode. Uh, So we're going to cut this episode off here and release the other part as a bonus episode in just a few minutes. So if you want to hear me rant about how Richard Jefferson sucks and ESPN hates the Knicks, then uh, check that out in just a few minutes here. But for this episode of just the game recap, this has been Locked on Knicks and we will talk to you all soon. Peace out.